Hello, people. So this is um <clears throat> the dark before the dawn. Yeah, it is people. Today is Good Friday. Got up this morning and uh, had my God Time Together group. Met with 10 other women from literally all across America and somewhere in the Western time zone somewhere in the eastern time zone, somewhere in the central time zone, like I was. And um, we got up this morning with the intent to uh, read the Word of God together and also uh, to remember what today is about, Good Friday. A lot of people don't like that term, though, Good Friday. They don't like it because it sounds horrible because what's so good about today? But I'm going to tell you something. Today... Um, I've been thinking a lot about what Good Friday is, what it means to me, and how different people react differently to it. So this morning, um, most of the people that I sat with um, could deal with it. They, you know, they understood that this was a day where we remember what Christ did for us. You know, and it didn't actually start on the cross. It started in the garden and even way before that, from the beginning of the world, really, when you think about it. It was prophesied in Genesis 3.15 that he would crush the head of the serpent. And I have to tell you that um, without Good Friday, we wouldn't have the culture or even the year that we have today, because it's all split by that day. Right? So I want to start the show by welcoming you. I want to tell you all something before um, we get into the topic tonight. We are going to look at 14 prophecies that were fulfilled on Good Friday. And there's probably way more than that, but we're just going to start with that. Um, and I want to let you know, I know a lot of you are on HAPS. And Randall and I decided we are not going to broadcast Bible News Radio on HAPS. <laughs> You're like, no, no, you can't do that. What's wrong with you? Well, as somebody would say, lots of stuff is wrong with me. But um, the reason we're not going to do that is because technically, just technically, technologically, um, it's a little bit rough for us to do it that way. So what I, what I am going to be planning on doing, though, however, is I will be on HAPS and I will be going in there a couple of times a week um, to do some updates, right? Do devotional updates and encourage you in the faith, and maybe maybe breaking news on certain things so that we can keep it a little bit separate where I can actually just use the app as the app. So, you know, you can still subscribe to us over there, but this show will not be there. We, we're only going to be broadcasting this show for now on YouTube, which is our YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio, and Facebook, which is over on Facebook, same thing, facebook.com forward slash Bible News Radio. Um, and the best place that you can stay connected with us for now um, is in our daily disciples group. If you're not in that group, you're missing out on a whole bunch of stuff that we do together as a community during the week. And I mean, really, we're reading the Bible together every single day, every day, Monday through Sunday, we're reading the Bible. And so what I want you to do is I want you to watch the ticker down here. Uh, you can t you can text um, the term Bible news right there to 33222. I will send you out a text message when the Daily Disciples group is updated. Somebody's going to read in there or our show goes live. Okay. Or we have announcements. I text you that info. 
And uh, we also have the Bible reading accountability. You can text Team Unstuck. <laughs> it's a long story why it's that. But anyway, it's Team Unstuck to 33222 for Bible reading accountability. I send out a text message every day saying, hey, where are you reading? Where are you reading in the Word of God, people? <laughs> Where are you reading? We want to know. We want to know because we want to encourage you in your walk with God. And actually, you know, before I get into this um, devotion that I was going to read, I want to read you um, one of my favorite stanzas out of Psalm 119. I love this uh, because I have loved Psalm 119 for years. And, you know, and it's interesting because I've been studying it for a while not a long time, but um, many years ago, I don't even know how long ago, probably 20 years ago, maybe longer, I don't know. I read Psalm 119. I remember thinking to myself when I read it, man, every time I read this, I just love the Word of God even more because it's all about the Word of God. And, um, you know, and, and I remember thinking to myself, man, if I'm ever, like, feeling, like, like dry spiritually or anything, this is the psalm I would go to. I would just sit, I'd read this psalm, and then I would have this new hunger and this thirst for the psalm, right? And there's so much in it, um, but he, this is one of my favorite parts, because when people throughout my life have made comments to me about God's Word... Um, th this, this is proven to be true in my life. So it begins in verse 97, Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, verse 97. This is the mem stanza. It says here, oh, how I love your law. Yeah, I do. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, or the aged, depending on how you want to say that, because I have observed your precepts. And I will tell you that throughout my life, I have been told, I, I've been told this, you're, you're wiser beyond your years. You know, I mean, I've heard stuff like that, like my whole life. And I've always thought, oh, it's because I have such an old soul, you know. <laughs> But reading this, it's like, no, it's, it's, it's because when you observe the word of God and you meditate on his word, God gives you wisdom beyond your years here. Um, and anyway, in verse 101, it says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from, from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. And I remember when I was a baby believer I remember thinking, how can nobody not understand this? Because I can read this as a 14-year-old and get it. Um, but it's because God God was teaching me that whole time. Every time you read the Word, He teaches you. Um, and it also goes back to Jesus. When Jesus got up early and He hung out, God taught Him stuff too, right? Um, and then verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And then the famous verse, we all know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That, go that actually goes into the next stanza. There's so much more in here, but as you read the word of God, there are so many benefits to it um, that on a day like today, you can't help but leap for joy and rejoice, even though it is a dark day because of what Jesus went through for us. But it's a day of rejoicing also because of what Jesus went through for us. He knew what he was going to have to do, and he did it anyway. And I don't know about you, but this morning when I was taking communion, um, you know, I, I teared up because... I can't imagine his mom being there and watching what he was doing. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine a crucifixion anyway. 
you know, we, and some of us, what we talked a little bit about, we talked about the brutality of it all and, you know, and, and the, the brutality of the men who had to scourge him and the, the, the hard heartedness of the people that had to nail his hands and his, you know, his feet to the cross, what hardness of heart you have to do in order to do something like that. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, Jesus screamed out in agony and pain as that was happening. He, he could not have, he was not, he, he could not have not have been silent during that. You know, I mean, it just, um, it's just, it's just overwhelming. And so this morning I read in Isaiah 53 and I'm going to start there. Who, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So he was completely not the handsome looking guy like David was, right? He, he had nothing that we would even look at him. We would probably just like look away. In fact, it says here, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed, esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has called the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But get this, the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. It would take a lifetime to parse this. And many Jews today still don't know that this is the passage in the Old Testament that prophesies of Jesus in the New Testament. Clearly, this was referring to Yeshua, our Lord. And it's, it's a heavy 
heavy song, but it's a beautiful one because Jesus fulfilled it to the letter of the law. Earlier today, my friend um, Rabbi Greg Hirschberg sent an email to, to his congregation, and and um, I had Greg on a couple of years ago um, talking about the book of Leviticus. I know, huh? <laughs> Who likes Leviticus? Well, you, you should, because the, the, the Levitical law explains today in many ways. But he shared this, this uh, devotion, and I thought it was so good, I wanted to share it with you. This actually comes out of a book by Johnny Erickson Tata and uh, Steve Estes. It was called When God Weeps. I'll probably cry reading this. The face that Moses had begged to see, was forbidden to see, was slapped bloody. Exodus 33, 19-20 The thorns that God has sent to curse the earth's rebellion now twisted around his brow. On your back with you. One raises a mallet to sink the spike. But the soldier's heart must continue pumping as he readies the prisoner's wrist. Someone must sustain the soldier's life minute by minute. For no man has this power on his own. Who supplies breath to his lungs? Who gives energy to his cells? Who holds his molecules together? Only by the sun do all things hold together. Colossians 1.17 The victim wills that the soldier live on. He grants the warrior's continued existence. The man swings. As the man swings, the son recalls how he and the father first designed the medial nerve. Is that how I say that? Of the human forearm. The sensations it would be capable of. The design proves flawless. The nerves perform exquisitely. Up you go. They lift the cross. God is on display in his underwear and can scarcely breathe. But these pains are a mere warm-up to his other and growing dread. He begins to feel a foreign sensation. Somewhere during this day, an unearthly foul odor began to waft, not around his nose, but his heart. He feels dirty. Human wickedness starts to crawl upon his spotless being, the living excrement from our souls. The apple of his father's eye turns brown with rot. His father, he must face his father like this. From heaven the father now rouses himself like a lion, disturbed, shakes his mane, and roars against the shriveling remnant of a man hanging on a cross. Never has the son seen the father look at him so, never felt even the least of his hot breath. But the roar shakes the unseen world and darkens the visible sky. The son does not recognize those eyes. Son of man, why have you behaved so? You have cheated, lusted, stolen, gossiped, murdered, envied, hated, lied. You have cursed, robbed, overspent, overeaten, fornicated, disobeyed, embezzled, and blasphemed. Oh, the duties you have shirked, the children you have abandoned, who has ever so ignored the poor, so played the coward, so belittled my name? Have you ever held a razor tongue? What a self-righteous, pitiful drunk, you, who molests young boys, pedal killer, drugs, travel in cliques and mock your parents, who gave you the boldness to rig elections, foment revolutions, torture animals, and worship demons. Does the list never end? Splitting families, raping virgins, acting smugly, playing the pimp, buying politicians, practicing extortion, filming pornography, accepting bribes? 
You have burned down buildings, perfected terrorist tactics, founded false religions, traded in slaves, relishing each morsel and bragging about it all. I hate, loathe these things in you. Disgust for everything about you consumes me. Can you not feel my wrath? Of course, the son is innocent. He is blameless itself. He is blamelessness itself. The father knows this, but the divine pair have an agreement, and the unthinkable must now take place. Jesus will be treated as if personally responsible for every sin ever committed. The father watches as his heart's treasure, the mirror image of himself, sinks, drowning into raw, liquid sin. Jehovah's stored rage against humankind from every century explodes in a single direction. Father! Father, why have you forsaken me? But heaven stops its ears. The sun stares up at the one who cannot, who will not reach down or reply. The Trinity had planned it. The sun had endured it. The Spirit enabled him. The Father rejected the Son whom he loved. Jesus, the God-man, from Nazareth perished. The Father accepted his sacrifice for sin and was satisfied. The rescue was accomplished. It is finished. It was uttered that day. Today, the day that some can't look at the cross because they don't understand it, or maybe they're too ashamed to look at it, and yet Jesus paid it all. And as that old hymn says, all to him we owe. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Yeah, he did it for you and me, because he loves us in a way that we can't even begin to comprehend. Yeah, the world mocks it. Today, as I was preparing for this show, and thinking about this, um, I, I did a new search on Good Friday, because I thought, you know, there's got to be something out there about Good Friday, and you know what I found? Almost nothing. In the years past, at least there's been some things. There was one little thing about the Vatican holding a Good Friday service, which is kind of to be expected, you know, because they are the, the Vatican and the Catholic Church, but there was really nothing else of any significant, and I thought, I thought, you know, isn't it interesting that here we are in 2021, we're in an apostate church, the nation that I live in is, I believe, under God's judgment and wrath, um, <laughs> and if you go into a lot of churches, the cross isn't even there anymore. See, some people like to look at the cross without a Jesus on it. You know, some people get upset when they say when they see Jesus on the cross. But the problem is, is he has to be on that cross because if he is, if he's not, then he couldn't rise from the dead. He had to die. And he willingly did. He laid down his life. Nobody killed him. He did it willingly, which that in itself blows can can really blow your mind when you're thinking about it. Um. I mean, the whole gospel can blow your mind when you really think about it. It's just, it's crazy. But, but it's because of the cross, we have the resurrection, right? And if you have a church without a cross, and you have a crossless faith or Christianity, you don't have Christianity at all, because you, you need Jesus to die in order to receive the gift of eternal life if you accept what he did. That's so vital. It's so important. And so may we never forget today what it's about. May we never forget. 
history was divided by what happened today. Although, <laughs> now they say it's the common error. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was AD, just so you know. AD, after what? On the dominee. Right. And yeah, isn't that interesting how they tried to rip that even away? So, Bareface, you want to come on the screen and and make some comments? And then we'll go ahead and we'll look at the prophecies. Say hi to some people out there. Go ahead and say hi to us if you're out there. That way I can say hi to you. Because, um, you know, we're still a community here. I'd like to say hi to you. What shall I comment on? Anything you want to comment on. Yeah, that uh, that devotion is yeah fascinating. I, I I cannot wrap my mind around what we read in Second Corinthians chapter five that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Not that not that just He would bear sin or suffer for sin, but become sin. For us and why that we might become the righteousness of God in him that great exchange is is nothing short of just miraculous it's, it's supernatural it's otherworldly it's well it's not worldly at all it's heavenly and of course it's it's fantastic in the sense of you know, just uh, above our experience, above earthly things, above natural things. It's supernatural for that sort of thing to occur. But everything, as we're going to look, just a, just these 14 prophecies fulfilled on Good Friday, and probably more, uh, study it, but just the whole... <laughs> the whole witness of... A prophecy um, over over centuries uh, leading up to Messiah, and you know his his clear demonstration, as a, as it says in the scripture, is declared to be the Son of God with power, and it's not just the power of his miracles and his presence, um, you know his words, but his actions, everything as he said himself in Luke chapter 24, uh, speaking to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, well, doesn't, doesn't record his words, but it says that, I wish it would record his words, that'd be, <laughs> but it said, then beginning at Moses, and, and in the prophets, and in all the writings, i.e. the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the Ketivim, the Torah, the, right, the, the law, the prophets, in the writings, he explained to them all the things concerning himself. That from from Genesis to I was going to say to Malachi, but Genesis to Chronicles, really, and the Hebrew Bible, uh, it, he's to be found on every page. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, just just amazing stuff. Well, that's the cool thing, too, about, um, about when you read the Bible widely, oh. you can see the Lord everywhere. It's, it's, it's totally cool. So, okay, so Ivan's son is down there. Tracy is there. I don't know if anybody else is watching. I mean, I know some of you are watching, but you're not all commenting. But just want to say hi. Thank you for tuning in. Um, share this out if you feel like it. Um, all right, well, let's look at some of these prophecies, okay? Because I don't know about you, but the Bible is, what, at least a third? A third of Bible prophecy? Something like that. And um, I, I love Bible prophecy because it's so fun to be on this side of the cross to see what the Lord did. Um, okay, yeah, you have a PDF copy. Cool. All um, right. I don't know if that's going to work as well as the... Well, I wasn't thinking about putting that up anyway. I was just thinking about reading some of this stuff. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. No, I'll just put up. Yeah. Okay. All right, so check this out. <clears throat> okay, so some guy made this chart. <laughs> 
I don't know who it was, but there's a lot of these different charts out there, and um, I think that this is this is pretty cool. Um, hold on, just one minute. <clears throat> Well, I get my piece of paper from my printer that's printing wildly right now. Here it is. Okay. All right. I can read this better. All right. So, um, Old Testament prophecy in Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Can anybody tell me who that was? I can. I can tell you. Of course, that was Judas Iscariot. Uh, that was fulfilled in, in Mark 14.10. It says here, Judas, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And you know what's really sad is that he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, which was the cost of a slave. I mean, Judas was greedy, but not even really that much so with the betrayal. All right. So the Old Testament book of Zechariah, chapter 13, verse 7, says, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That was fulfilled in Mark 14, 50, which says, And they all left him and fled. I believe, if, I, if my memory is serving me correctly, this was um, when they were coming to arrest him, I, I think. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. What do you think? Is that about, do you think that's right, Randall? Yes. Okay. Nailed it, people. Okay. All right. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver in Zechariah eleven twelve. Okay. And in Matthew 26, 15, we see that fulfilled. Uh, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. Right there. See? Interesting. Um, that was predicted in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. We know that Judas was the dude that did that. Isaiah 50. By the way, I would encourage you to read the book of Isaiah. It's a tough read, but there's so much prophecy in that book. Um, it's amazing. So Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. That was fulfilled in Matthew 27. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's 26 and 30. Having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified, and they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And we also know that they plucked his beard. Um, you know, that that's actually explicitly stated as well. Um, so it's interesting. We have a little bit of a physical description of Christ at this time. Psalm 22. It's another great psalm. Um, in fact, there's, there's more than just this prophecy in it. But... Uh, says here, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 24, it says, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Something's wrong there. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, they don't have the right Well, cross-reference. Crack co-host, you can look it up. <laughs> okay. Well, it just goes to show we have to verify the stuff we're putting on this show. Okay. Well, I'm putting an X right there on the paper that they got that wrong. But we do know that it's actually true. Yeah, the soldiers did cast they, lots. They did. <laughs> they did. The reference is just wrong. Okay. Isaiah 53, which I read earlier. Um, in verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And this is really important. If you understand Jewish law and you understand the Jewishness of the Word of God, then you understand that is why in Matthew 27 we read this 13 14 then Pilate said to him do you not hear how many things they testify against you but he referring to Christ gave him no answer not even to a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed if Jesus had talked if he had spoken and tried to defend himself there he would have been breaking the law 
Um, and of course, Jesus knew the law, and, and so he, he was silent. Talk about self-control. Man, talk about that. Okay. Uh, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And, um, of course, John chapter 19, uh, verses 17 and 18, it says here. Um, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. And, you know, again, that was something that we were talking about um, this morning, my my little group. Um, and we were talking about, and this is always, this has always fascinated me that you have one, one, one person on a cross who's like, you know, completely belligerent towards the Lord. And then you have another one who's like, remember me when I'm in, you know, remember me, you know, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, you know, and I've always seen that as a deathbed confession, you know, and it's also evidence just so you know that you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. Um, and I say this as a Baptist, okay, you should get baptized. Um, definitely by immersion, that's, you know, what I think you be go fully under because Romans chapter six talks about being immersed and come back up, be raised to walk in newness of life. But if you're on your deathbed and you become a Christian, God's not going to go, oh, you didn't get baptized, so I can't let you in. <laughs> Randall, <laughs> say something. Yeah, the, uh, could talk about baptism, but yeah. the the reference was right as far as chapter and verse. The text is wrong there. Oh. John 19, okay. 23, 24, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts apart for every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was fulfilled. This was to fulfill the scripture that divided my outer car garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Yeah. And again, think about how callous somebody's got to be. Like, here's a guy that just got crucified and killed, right? And you got these hard-hearted people going, oh, material stuff. You know? Well, well, that was their thing. I mean, the I wages, wages of a soldier weren't I've... much. And so, you know, there here's a person being executed. So they were entitled to that person's belongings. Yeah. That were on them. Interesting. Okay. All right. The book of Zechariah, again, in 1210, um, says, When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced. And then, of course, that was fulfilled in John 19, 34. It says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. So... And, you know, it's interesting, years ago, I interviewed a, a guy, a doctor, who, uh, um, he, he did a, um, he wrote a book about the medical facts of the crucifixion, and just how crazy that, you know, just how crazy the whole thing is. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that he talked about was, um, you know, the blood and water coming out mingled, um, that would that represent a broken heart? You're asking me? Yes. I think that's what I've heard. Yes, I, yes. Yeah. A rupturing of the the heart because of um I'm I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know the terms, but basically from from severe stress, uh physical and emotional stress, the um heart can burst in such a way that the the blood mingles with uh, the clear fluid that's surrounds it and yeah anyway. so in in psalm 22 again verse 16 it says they have pierced my hands and feet 
And we know that was fulfilled in Luke 24, 39. It says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. And, um, you know, and, and of course, we also know that Thomas, when Jesus um, appeared to Thomas, prior to Thomas seeing Jesus, Jesus had appeared to the other disciples. Thomas wasn't there at the time. Um, but he made a comment, hey, I'm not going to believe it unless I see his, his, his scars, basically. You know, and then Jesus shows up later. He just walks through walls and stuff. Hey, guys, how you doing? And then he shows Thomas. And then what does Thomas say? He says, my Lord and my God. And he gives that confession um, of belief and faith in Christ as a result. And the Lord also says to Thomas, you know, blessed are those who believe and yet do not see. Very important to remember that. Okay. So Isaiah 53, 12 says, Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And of course, Luke 23, 34 says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they, they cast lots to divide his garments. So again, um, you know, you think about intercession. This is, when I think of intercession, one of the words that comes to my mind or one of the one of the pictures that comes to my mind when I think about intercession is I think somebody's on their on their face on their ground they're like kneeling and they're like this you know and they're crying out and you know and all that but here Jesus was on the cross literally making intercession for us at that point and saying father forgive them for they know not what they do and they didn't nobody did nobody knew what was going on All right, except maybe Mary. I think she had a clue, but. And then um, Psalm 22, 1, uh, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli. How do you say that? I would say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Okay. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you want to talk about that a minute? Uh, because I think there's some misunderstanding about this. Well, you know, we read, well, you read earlier that um, And Janet that is on devotion. there, Jeannie is on there too. We got devotion from um, Johnny Erickson Tata. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's, I don't know, oh, some, you know, actually that, he became sin for us. Right. But the idea that, you know, God, the Father, turned uh, his back, that wasn't there. And that the, the devotion yeah. was just the look of, it was a continued look. Right. Um, of judgment upon the sin. But yeah, some look at that, my God, my God, why would you save me? And say, well, the Father is too holy to look on sin. Yeah, and, and they turned his back and he, yeah. But and, you have that doesn't but, jive with the rest of Scripture. Thinking in Isaiah, just for one, you know my, you know my, what is my arm is not too short, my hand too heavy that I cannot say. But your sins have separated you from me. Uh, Psalm one thirty nine. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are well, there. Yeah, right. Um, God is everywhere and isn't did not forsake. But as Again, in Isaiah, your sins have separated you. That it's when we are sinful that we separate ourselves. Our sin separates us. You know, John chapter three. This is the this is the condemnation. The light has come to the world, but men love the darkness rather than light. Did not come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. Right. Uh, sin keeps us away from God the Father, and I believe as Yeshua became sin for us. That's what he was experiencing, that feeling of separation because of the weight of sin. He felt forsaken. Sin separates us from God. He doesn't go anywhere. Right. You know, I've, I remember as a young Christian, um, you know, people saying things like, well, if you feel like God is distant, you know, who moved? Right. It wasn't him. And, you know, it's funny because one of my friends in our God Time Together group was just talking about that a couple of days ago and talking about how, um, you know, that they kind of, 
they they kind of made a comment, kind of like a snarky comment about it. But it was a, they were convicted because they're like, yeah, it's true. And what I'm going to tell you guys, and I'm I'm just going to just take a second here to to just exhort you a minute because that's what I do, people. <laughs> uh, but but this is total in love, and it's by experience. And so you know what I'm going to tell you is that. Most people in the church, it's my belief and understanding, have no idea how spiritually deficient they are or how deprived they are of, of, um, of the Word of God. Because most believers don't read the Word of God every day, okay? And, you know, and, and that research was done, um, I think it was in 2009, Powered by Four, Back to the Bible, their Center for Bible Engagement. They went ahead, they did this research, they surveyed like 400 plus thousand people that identify, um, you know, as, as Christians in some form or another. And they found that the, for the person who engages scripture three days or less a week, there is zero observational difference between them and a person in the world but for whatever reason at four days that tipping point if you are in the word of god four days a week for probably 20 minutes a day at least or more then your life shows a significant difference you know in so many areas whether it's loneliness your addictions whatever scripture memory that, I mean, that's a huge one. Sharing the gospel. Why, why do you think most people don't share the gospel? It's because they're not in the gospel enough. Because they don't, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not in it. So you can't share what you don't know. You can't share what you're not hanging out with, you know. Um, and so, um, <laughs> you know, so my encouragement to you is get into the word. Get the word into you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you two things. I'll tell you two things. And this is the stark truth here. T two things. Number one, it's highly uncomfortable. It's highly uncomfortable. Because you know what? You're going to get, you are going to get convicted. <laughs> yeah, you are. Ask me how I know. Because total, total conviction. You will be convicted of your sin if you're in the word of God. And I'm convinced that a lot of people, that's part of the reason they don't want to be in the word of God. Because God's going to deal with them. But here's the other thing. Not only will you get convicted, you'll get healed. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I have had debilitating anxiety for years. Um, I've had abandonment issues. I have had to overcome severe emotional abuse uh, and other types of abuse. And it's not an excuse. It's a reality. It wasn't medication that helped me. It wasn't therapy that helped me or healed me. It was the, the word of God that I chose to change and meditate on and believe that brought healing. And I'm going to tell you something. This is an amazing thing to me. There are things in my life, which, you know, I don't display everything that I deal with, but, you know, in the last seven months or so, as I have been daily soaking in the word and encouraging other people in the word and, you know, kind of <laughs> basically, you know, been renewed, really, essentially, you know, back to where I should have been, you know, a long time ago. Um, you know, there have been things that have happened in me, um, very personal, very deep things that have actually taken place in my heart, in my mind, in my behavior. And, and a couple of days ago, I was, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking... Huh. I think God just healed me in that area, you know? I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. And this is this is not like super personal so I can share this, but my dad died. January 17th. My dad died. You guys know that. Most of you know that. Okay? You know, for somebody like me who's had abandonment issues like my whole life, uh, you know, my both my parents had, what, 12 marriages between them or something like that? I don't know, seven marriages. I think seven marriages between both my parents, right? So so there's been some, you know, broken relationships. There's been, you know, cut off dysfunction or whatever. And what I can tell you is that 
when you feel abandoned, then what happens is you tend to cling to people. You get codependent um, and you're unhealthy. Ultimately, you're just emotionally unhealthy because you don't know, you know, your life has been so unstable. It's like, ah, you're going to cling to anything that you can, you can get a hold of. And often for a person that's gone through that, who has an insecure attachment, to use a therapeutic term, if you have that disconnected, disjointed, insecure attachment, then you will do whatever you can to get that attachment. And, and, and whether it's healthy or not, right? So, some people turn to, you know, alcohol, some drugs, you know, the sex addiction. There's a whole bunch of things that tie into that attachment issue. God created us to bond with our parents. He created us to bond with one another. Um, but if you are somebody who's had the, you know, let's say the wheels knocked out from underneath you or the carpet pulled, and you don't know because, you know, you've been abandoned, um, then, you know, it's hard to know where your footing can be. Here's the interesting thing, though. Most people don't know this. In the world of psychology, people do research. A lot of it doesn't get published, but there is actually some good research that was published a number of years ago um, on the spiritual development and attachment styles of people showing that if a person attaches to God through his word and a personal relationship with Jesus, then they can be healed and they can have that secure attachment that God intended. God will literally heal them if it's if they choose to be attached to God. That's a proven scientific, well, can't say it's proven. It's the, res the research suggests, okay, that's the technical way to say it. But the research shows and it suggests that if you are a person who is attached in a relationship with God, then he can heal you and you can have that secure attachment. Well, when my dad died, I did not feel abandoned at all. Not even an ounce. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, hmm, you know, I mean, my dad, he didn't, he didn't abandon me. And I don't know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because I was expecting him to die, although he died suddenly, really. I, I kind of expected him to live to be 100. That's what he wanted. Um, but he didn't. And I didn't, I didn't feel abandoned. In fact, as I was thinking about it this week, you know, one of the things about my dad and his death and me being there with my dad when he died was I believe the angels and the presence of God was in that room so powerfully that um, that I think personally that there was a deeper healing that God touched me when he literally touched me when, when my dad went home to be with God, you know? And, um, you know, it's amazing as I've read the word of God and I look at, you know, what God's word says, you just hunger and you thirst for it more because you get comfort, you know, in the word. I mean, it's, it's, you got to explain, you, you know, as, as we read earlier, you know, the, the word of God is sweeter than honey, right? So it's, but you have to read it and taste it. You know, the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. I can go on, but I'm going to stop there. Because we still got a few minutes left and I want to get through this. Okay. So, um, and he was numbered, he was numbered with the transgressors, Isaiah 53, 12. Um, and this is um, one in Luke 23, 33. It says, and when they came to the place as called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. So see the significance of that, of that day was very, you know, it was all planned in advance. Psalm twenty two thirty one says it is finished in Hebrew, and we already know that John nineteen thirty says he said it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And what I'm going to tell you is my pastor just gave a message on this, um, and um, it's on YouTube. If anybody's interested in hearing the, the what my pastor had to say about this, I'm going to tell you it was awesome. It's a great message. Do you want to say something? I just take issue with that particular fulfillment oh. at least psalm twenty-two, thirty-one. okay 
uh, which we read that, um, what do we read? It says, uh, they will come and declare his righteousness uh, to a people who will be born that he has done this. Oh. It is finished. I mean, the idea in the Greek, uh, tetelestai, is, okay. you know. Well. Uh, so, I think, I think it's, um, I think it's a loose connection between that it is finished uh, with the Greek, um, uh, what is it? It's We got Ash- five minutes Asa, left. which means... Just so you know. Done. Anyway. Okay. Back to you. All right. We should make sure Bareface checks this before we go on air next time. Okay. All Not right. Your fault. I know. Okay. Last one. Isaiah 53, 9. Uh, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And that was fulfilled in Matthew 27, 57 to 60. It says, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new, new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he ro- and he and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. So, and by the way, just so you know, Nicodemus was also there when that took place. He, Nicodemus helped out. You might have recalled Nicodemus was men- talked to Jesus in John chapter three, and he he said, "Hey, like you know, can a man when he is old go back into his mother's womb?" That's a very Jewish question um, asked by a religious leader of the day and John chapter 3 if you understand the Hebrew understanding of that whole chapter then you'll understand that there is numerous ways to be born again uh, under the Jewish law and so when Nicodemus was having this this conversation with Yeshua about being born again it wasn't a mistake he asked that question the way he asked it um, you know, I can't list all the ways you're born again under the law, but I can say, like, at your bar mitzvah, when you get married, um, and, and a number of other things. Someday we'll go through that again for you. But um, but anyway, so just thought I'd let you know. Uh, those are 14 prophecies fulfilled on Good Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. And tomorrow, if you imagine yourself as one of the disciples that saw Jesus crucified today, then tomorrow will be a really, you know, I don't know about you, but I've often tried to think, like, what would I be thinking or feeling on the day after, you know, like, all my dreams are crushed, this guy is dead, I thought he was the Messiah, Um, you know, I I would just think, I would be, I would be beyond myself, I would be devastated beyond words, you know. And yet, we know that Sunday's coming. And Tony Campolo, gotta thank Mr. Liberal Tony Campolo. (laughs) It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. For making Um, someone else's sermon famous. Right. (laughs) Yes, but don't follow Tony Campolo's teachings, people. Just so you know, he's gone off a little bit. But anyway, um, it is Friday, and Sunday is coming. But we are also coming back tomorrow night. So I hope that you tune in. I really do want to encourage you to take some time to be in the Word of God every day. To reach out to somebody and ask them where they're reading. Because why not? What the heck? And um, and just see how it will change your life if you do it. Also, by the way, uh, if you like what we do here, feel free to... Give to the Ministry of Heart Tug International. We are a nonprofit. You can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give over there. Donate to your little heart's content, whatever you want. Um, we don't do this for the money, but we do have expenses. So um, thanks for tuning in tonight. I hope you got something out of the show. I hope you even more so you get something out of the word. And at the very least, that you know the Lord loves you. That's what the cross was about, people. So be bold, stand up, and go with God because He loves you.